Good morning, world. It is June 5th, a Friday, and it is early. It's 4.23 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which is crazy to me. I mean, this is 6 a.m. in bartender world. So, you know, this is a little earlier than I normally do it, but I had a topic I really wanted to talk about. And plus, it's raining outside, and I was going to take the dogs for a walk. And, you know, I have two Newfoundland 100-pound, just basically black mops. So they get wet, they stink, and then I got to dry them off for an hour, and then they're just back outside two, three hours later. So let the rain pass. You know, let's get the podcast in, and then let's get the day moving. So first, why was I up so late? Uh, I was up till, I think, 6.30 last night, a.m. So that's a new one for me. But uh, actually, no, I've done that before, but usually... Usually I fade by like 5 a.m. or so. It's like Groundhog's Day. I can't make it till 6 a.m. usually. But I was watching uh, My Cousin Vinny for the first time. And what a delightful farce of a movie. (laughs) Very, very silly. Just Joe Pesci being as Joe Pesci, humor, silly, you know, New York, uh, big hair, leather jackets in the South trying to get his uh cousin off of a murder rap that he didn't do and it was just i don't know i guess most courtroom cases are just very serious and i kind of realized that i'd never seen a lawyer movie that was kind of a little bit drama but mostly comedy and also like an r-rated comedy and in the early 90s that just seemed very unique to it so i was like i'm gonna watch 15 20 minutes of this you know fade off into sleep but that never happens. I ended up watching the whole thing, all two hours. And, you know, 20 minutes in, I start laughing and I start perking up a little bit. And I go, damn it, I got to watch this whole fucking thing now. So I should have known better because in general, uh, if I start a TV program or a, or a movie, I just have to finish it. It's just, I don't fall asleep. I don't fade while something's on screen. It's just something about it is hypnotic to me. Like, I don't know how my girlfriend, Selena, uh, 15 minutes into watching whatever, no matter how enthralled she is, she's just out cold. And it's impressive. It's like she has an off switch. And I, I'd love to have that quality where I could just, you know, flick myself off. But I don't. So I end up watching early 90s classics at four in the morning. And there's a nice palate cleanser too, because I watched Butch and, Sun, Butch and the Sundance Kid uh, before that. And it was it was just dated. I, I've, I haven't watched a movie before 1975 and over a decade. And it's just, it's a little rough to watch the classics. Just, I guess we're so used to HD screens and all, you know, the director's tricks of nowadays and millions upon millions of dollars being put into movies. But I got to admit though, the dialogue was fantastic. The, it was kind of this quibby, smart alecky, uh, it felt like Danny Ocean and Rusty in Ocean's Eleven, you know, these two cool mega superstars. And you knew, you know, I mean, they had the gravitas towards them, Robert Redford and Paul Newman. And they just had this kind of this bro relationship that was just something that was magnetic and something you wanted to watch. No matter, I mean, they could have been doing anything. They could have been accountants. They could have been astronauts. They could have been coal miners. And I would have watched it and would have enjoyed it. And the fact that they put it in a cool setting like the Wild West, you know, six shooters and horse chases and 
jumping off uh jumping off giant mountains and being chased and bank robberies you know it lended itself quite well to being entertaining but just i mean there was two or three minute montages and like old timey photos and i guess this is how movies used to be uh there used to be kind of breaks in the action where they'd kind of move the story along using uh pictures and i mean i'd never seen anything like that so it was like it was like watching a 1920s silent film. I was like, what is going on? This is not how I'm used to watching movies. But really, I'm glad I watched it. And now I have kind of a sense of where all those buddy comedy or buddy action movies come from. This is kind of like the godfather of all those. So, and plus Robert, Robert Redford, young Robert Redford, it's like, it's like Brad Pitt got in a time machine and was, you know, 30-year-old Brad Pitt was in 1969, just that strong, silent, square-jawed badass who kind of said more with expressions and kind of long stares than any real words. And when he does say words, you know, they resonate super heavy. Like when he, (laughs) the the funniest and best line of the whole movie is when uh, Butch and Sundance are being chased by this super posse and they're stuck in the mountains and they need to jump off into kind of this river to escape everybody. And Redford is kind of getting upset and just doesn't want to do it. And finally out of nowhere, he just goes, I can't swim. And he's so embarrassed and it's loud and it's just unexpected from someone who's so cool. It just, it shakes the ground when you hear it and you're like, Oh man, this is, this is not good for him. And it's also funny and it's the one humanizing moment because otherwise he's just, you know, James Dean cool the whole time. So just very, there's, there's little moments. So even though it wasn't the best viewing experience, I'm glad I did it. I feel better for it. I'm a better man right now. Like my like better man percentages went up 4%. I checked. It's on my Apple watch. I have a really weird Apple watch, but what I wanted to talk about actually for the last two days, I just kept thinking and it applied to these two movies too. Uh, who could be in any of these movies and still uh, the movie would be fantastic. And who is a versatile actor who could, you know, do anything. And I also saw it do the right thing for the first time yesterday or two days ago. And Holy shit. Is that movie still relevant today? My God. I mean, just, I'm not going to get into racial politics because I uh, have the ra- I have the political uh, savvy of a uh, potato salad. So, but just it just struck home to me, and I'm sure you know a lot of people could agree that nowadays it's as relevant as it was back then. But watching three very different movies in three different eras, I wondered, you know, who could be in all those movies? And I came up with one answer and it made me smile. And it was Denzel Washington, who for my money is probably the greatest living actor we have. And I know that might be somewhat controversial because some actors like Daniel Day-Lewis make, you know, just classic movies every two, two and a half years. Or there's Tom Hanks who, you know, for 10 years made Oscar movies over and over again, while Denzel is kind of like a roller coaster. He's got some great uh, Oscar-worthy performances. He's got some action movies. He's got some uh, historical biographies. He's got, you know, 
kind of spy versus spy. He's got military movies. He's got just, I mean, bank robberies. Just, you know, it's all over the map. But I think that's what makes him so great is that he can do anything. He's not pigeonholed to just one kind of performance. He's willing to take risks. Like the fact that he's been in four or five Tony Scott movies, which are just blatant uh, popcorn action, ultra-violent movies where he's just murdering people at an outrageous rate. And the fact that someone so talented uh, is willing to just like kind of just dig into the mud once in a while, I just love that. So I thought I'd go through Denzel Washington's kind of uh, his filmography of what I've seen and just kind of see what my thoughts are and see how they ricochet off each other. Because I kind of like to do six degrees of Kevin Bacon with every kind of movie. It's just I like when ideas spiderweb into other actors and to other thoughts about movie industry in general. And it's just fun to kind of freestyle almost. It's like this is freestyle rapping for me. For someone who has no musical talent, this is what I got. So I'm going to put my headphones in and I'm going to hear the beat like Eminem and 8 Mile. And I am going to come up with a fresh, fresh freestyle of movie facts and movie opinions, which makes me sound very white, which I am. So it's okay. And I'm not actually rapping. So this is less embarrassing than that. So let's go. So, I mean, the first time I saw him was in Glory. Uh, I think everybody my age, I'm 34, in middle school, you know, the bored or hungover history teacher threw this in and was like, just just watch. Because <laughs> it was enthralling and everyone loves it. And it's also, you know, historically accurate and inspiring. It's about, you know, the first black militaristic group in the Civil War and, you know, how they contributed. And I think it's, I hope it's historically accurate. I mean, that's kind of... That's kind of how it's pitched. If not, I have a very incorrect view of the Civil War. But Denzel is this soldier, you know, former slave, and he just owns the movie. He's just, when he's getting whipped at one point, he does that whole thing where he's silent, but he's crying. And it's like, I only know like three actors that can do that, where like a single tear almost leaks out. Like he's trying not to let any emotion show out, but... He lets his eyes do the acting. I mean, that is, how do you even practice that? Do you just stare in the mirror and start quivering and imagine getting slapped on the back and then somehow you get one tear to leak out of you? I mean, that is, that is high quality acting. And also he's just, he's pretty gregarious and pretty out there. The rest of the movie too. He's just, it shows, it's a full a private trip who's the character is just a fully formed character that, it's just fun to root for and you feel like you know him the whole time. And I was just like, okay, I can, I can fuck with this guy. I, I'm going to follow his career. And I think that was my first uh, encounter with Mr. Washington. And I'd never saw Mo Better Blues, but I heard it was fantastic. Spike Lee, him, jazz. Seems great. I'm on a Spike Lee kick right now. So I guess I have, I'll knock that one off the list soon. And he's in a few random movies like Ricochet, Heart Condition. Haven't seen either one. I heard Ricochet was fun, uh, that it was just kind of a wild movie. And then he's in Malcolm X. And Malcolm X, I mean, you want to talk about a Swiss army knife of an actor. Basically, Denzel plays three roles in this entire three-hour movie. 
he plays kind of the young uh hot shot uh criminal named big red you know who when malcolm x was young he was kind of just a wild guy and then uh in jail he finds islam and becomes a militant black black uh leader and makes his way up and that's an entirely different role he's you know in his suits and just very angry and very kind of commanding of the room. And also he's kind of just soaking in the culture around him and kind of almost, it's almost like he's expanding. Like you can see him growing more powerful and just something about Denzel. It's like, there's something about him gaining power where it seems like, okay, I can see how people could follow him. And then by the end he had more kind of a heart and more of an openness towards uh, nonviolent measures and you kind of I mean it kind of just broke your heart in the end when he was executed and just a beautifully done movie I mean when he's in when he's in Mecca and he's just kind of experiencing a new culture and you see his eyes kind of just soaking everything in I don't think anyone else is as expressive with their face as Denzel Washington it's like you can kind of see him absorbing the world around him and it's almost the world's worst poker face. He's kind of, you can see how he's interpreting things. And that as an actor, I think that's probably the strongest quality you can have is just the audience knows exactly how you're feeling without you even conveying a word. And also, I mean, when he wants to be charming and turn it on, my God, I mean, he has, I've argued him and Matt Damon are the best smile talkers of all time where they kind of, they can talk through a smile and you're just, you're looking at the at big, those big pearly whites and you're just like, this guy's fucking charming. And you kind of almost are distracted enough that you can, it's hard for you to hear what they're saying, but you want to listen to them at the same time because, you know, you're being blinded by this wall of porcelain that is their teeth. So I, there's just a certain, it's hard to talk while you're smiling and they, they pull it off better than anybody. I mean, I always picture... Uh, Denzel and Training Day, uh, kind of with the evil smiles and, you know, kind of almost like a snake-like kind of uh, rasp and also uh, Good Will Hunting for Matt Damon. Just these kind of iconic roles where they're charming, even though they have no right to be. I mean, if you think about Good Will Hunting, when they read his rap sheet of what he's done with Grand Theft Auto and beating up a bunch of people and all these other kind of small crimes, like Will Hunting's a ba- Will Hunting's a bad dude. Like we shouldn't root for him, <laughs> but it, but the whole time there's not even a doubt that this is your guy and you're gonna you know want him to do great till the end. So yeah, uh, never thought I'd compare Denzel Washington and Matt Damon, but here we are. And so kind of missed his serious route. I didn't see much ado about nothing, uh, the Pelican Brief or Philadelphia, and you know those these are gravitas movies. Being a lawyer. He's just, he's excellent at kind of when you see the, how much he cares, the importance of the movie kind of resonates a lot heavier because there's just something statuesque, almost presidential about him. You want to, when he takes something seriously, you kind of perk up. You're like, oh man, this, this guy is way more important than me. Thanks. It's serious. So I better, better grip into my seat, move a little forward and watch this. And then he's in Crimson Tide. Fantastic fucking movie. And he goes toe-to-toe with Gene Hackman, just, you know, line for line. And that's what I I do love that about Denzel Washington. 
he's not afraid to be a 1A to someone else's 1A. He's like, I want to be with great actors. You know, I can go with Gene Hackman. I can, you know, go back and forth with Ethan Hawke, with Chris Pine, with, uh, with Russell Crowe, with anybody. He's just, or Ryan Reynolds. I mean, anybody, he, he's not, He's not selfish, even though he can carry a movie. He's like, you know what? If some great actors can come with me and do the heavy lifting, then fuck it. I'm down with that too. So he's, I I think he's like LeBron in that way. Like if you give him a Dwayne Wade or an Anthony Davis, they're going to shine, but he can also just carry a shitty movie, you know, by himself and just be the lead. So he's just, there's almost a, a kind of, he's not, He's not arrogant about how talented he is. He's just like, let's see what this material lends itself to and let's adapt accordingly. And I, I respect that. It just seems, makes him seem like a nice guy. Even though I don't know him personally, maybe he's a really shitty guy. Maybe he kicks puppies. But I hope he doesn't. That would be, I mean, I think that would come out by now. I mean, it's 2020. I think we could, people would tell you if Denzel Washington was kicking puppies. So not a puppy kicker. Although I hope he hates cats because I hate cats. Cats, cats suck. I mean, he doesn't have to kick them, but I think, I mean, don't kick, don't kick cats, but fuck cats though. They're just, they're evil. They're just little killing machines that are cute. Like they shouldn't be inside the house, but I digress. So this brings me to my favorite of all the Denzel Washington movies, which is insane because it's a terrible movie, but I fucking love it. It's 1995's Virtuosity. And it's him as Lieutenant Parker Barnes, great cop name, by the way, where he's a cop who was kind of the foil to a terrorist and the terrorist killed his family and blew up uh, a, like a, a crew of uh, cameramen and he got kind of blamed for it because he went in too quickly and he lost his arm and now he's in jail. And now he's part of a virtual reality uh, program that's being tested on prison inmates about, it's like they constructed a perfect serial killer who has 200 different serial killer personalities inside him. Like he's got John Wayne Gacy, he's got Charles Manson, and he's got the guy who terrorized uh, Parker Barnes's uh, family all inside him. And it's played with Gusto by Russell Crowe as this kind of virtual reality psycho killer that somehow escapes out of the computer. I don't want to get into the details of it because it's ridiculous, but Russell Crowe escapes the computer and just wants to, because he's he's used to being in a computer game, he wants to fight Denzel Washington's Parker Barnes the entire time. So it's cat and mouse against a robotic serial killer that has 200 different personalities in it. And it's just... I love that he's willing to, I mean, he just did Crimson Tide in Philadelphia in the Pelican Brief. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to do a fucking silly uh, sci-fi action movie. Like when Nicolas Cage won the Oscar for Leaving Las Vegas, he didn't say, I want to work with the best directors. He said, no, I want to be in a fucking action movie on Alcatraz with Sean Connery. And then I want to do steroids and be a army ranger who got arrested and now is on a plane with a bunch of, with a bunch of, uh, with a bunch of criminals who could take over the plane. I mean, that's fucking insane. And then he does face off with John Travolta where they change faces. And I mean, that run of three movies, by the way, that 
Nicolas Cage run, I don't think he'll ever be touched by anyone. I mean, that is, that's the action movie trifactor. That's the three-peat. That's the Michael Jordan sixth in a row, uh, flap your dick out on the table and walk away. Although you wouldn't, you wouldn't walk away if you flapped your dick out. You would just sit there and then zip up very carefully. Because if you walked away, it would just swing with you. So, <laughs> wow. Um, so, but I think Nicolas Cage would actually would do that. He would actually take his dick out and uh, just show it to you. Just because, because he's crazy. But Denzel is not crazy, and he still decides to do these movies that are just fun. And I appreciate that more than anything. I mean, he can he can be, you know, the most serious guy in the room, but he can also just chew a scene. And after Virtuosity, uh, he does Courage Under Fire, which I loved. You know, there's military Denzel. I don't know if he has any military background, but he just looks like a captain or a lieutenant or a general. And that movie was kind of, was really kind of said a lot of things about the American dream and what happens when terrorism kind of invades, you know, uh, our home turf and how would we react and the best of humanity and the worst of humanity and kind of the arguments of safety versus security and prejudice. And is it okay to stereotype to kind of save the greater good of uh, the American dream? And he's the, he's the moral compass in that one. He, I mean, Bruce, Bruce Willis is in a militaristic role and they kind of, they go toe to toe and Bruce Willis is more uh, cutting corners to, make sure that we're safe and uh, Denzel's more like, Hey, you know, the American dream is based on trusting people and that we care about our citizens. So they go toe to toe. And that, I mean, that I love that Bruce Willis and Bruce Willis and Denzel Washington in military FBI kind of argument mode. That is, I could watch a seven hour movie about that. Just them and them in like a debate setting. So that was just, that was a, not a fun movie because it was hard to watch and it's just infinitely sad, but you feel, you feel kind of cleansed by the end of it. Oh, and I skipped, he got game, you know, another Spike Lee movie where he's just, he's kind of a, he's a criminal with an Afro who had a son who's quite talented at basketball who gets released to kind of push his son to whatever college the warden wants him to go to. And he's just, He's kind of a broken, shitty guy, and he's kind of trying to be the grizzled advice to a son that doesn't want to hear it. And he plays that really well, too. Like, he's not in that movie, he's not the shining example of America. He's kind of just a fuck up. And he just he pulls that off quite well, too, which is bizarre because you take one look at Denzel and you just want to, you want to either hug him or you want to, you know, you want to give him money or you want to applaud him. I don't know. There's just something innately charming about him so the fact that he's kind of a shitty guy in this movie is fantastic plus it's my favorite piece of denzel acting ever is at the end of the movie him and his son who's played by ray allen play one-on-one and behind the scenes they didn't tell uh ray allen how the scene was supposed to play out just that ray allen was going to win and so denzel gets the ball and spike just tells him you know try to just go for it try to fucking win and so Denzel hits a shot. It's a three. Starts bragging. Starts running around. Starts running his mouth. And then he hits like another three and a layup. And you're like, holy shit! Denzel might actually fucking win this game against. And this is Ray Allen in his first year in the league. He was supposed to be like the next coming of Jordan. He was supposed to be 
the perfect six foot five left hand, right hand, perfect shot, defense, all that stuff. And I guess Ray Allen got really mad and then just uh, beat him down 11 to nothing after that. But you can, I just love that Denzel could be an instigator, just be a shithead and that it got Ray Allen, who's visibly kind of worked up on the set and you can see it in the movie. And that movie had its highs and lows. It was, it should have been a lot better than it was, but Spike sometimes gets, falls in love with the act of directing. So once in a while, you got to chalk it up. And then he does The Bone Collector, you know, just a Ashley Judd, typical thriller. The Hurricane, Oscar Bait, where, you know, he's, the problem with that movie was it's based on a Bob, I mean, it's based on a real person, but the Bob Dylan song, everyone kind of knew what was going to happen. It was like watching Titanic. It's like, I know how this goes. So kind of lost pizzazz from that. And then remember the Titans? He was, there's classic, heroic, inspirational Disney Denzel, where he's, you know, defeating social barriers and bringing down racism. And, you know, you just, your heart swells with every time the violins play or they score a touchdown or they learn a lesson that we're all similar. It's just, Denzel's fantastic at making us all feel good and want us to bring together want us, and bringing us all together. And this movie is probably the clearest example of that. I mean, coach Herman Boone is just, you know, a raw, raw kind of squeaky clean guy who was just a joy to watch. I mean, that is the classic Disney. You watch with your family, you come out with like your eyes almost teary and inspiration. You're like, I'm not crying, but you, but you are crying. He cried like three times during the movie. I cry. I cried a lot because it's just, it's just very cute and, you know, inspiring when people put aside their differences and do something great. That's just, that's the best part of America. I think when we do that, so props to remember the Titans and then he does a complete 180. and you know, I used to say 360, like he used to, he did a complete 360, but then you're back right where you are. So I was saying that wrong for like 10 years, super embarrassing. But no one corrected me, I don't think. So I guess people are polite or people were laughing internally. But now I know the term properly. Do you do a 180? Because you flip around. You don't go all the way around. That'd be insane. So training day. He plays Alonzo. And this is Denzel at his evilest. I mean, just like the corrupt cop with the low rider, just taking money. He's in trouble with Russian mobsters. He's making he's making uh, Ethan Hawke's rookie character Jake Hoyt smoke PCP on his first day. He's blinged out. He's wearing a leather jacket. He's got his fade all done tight. He's got the evil guy goatee. I mean, it is it is probably. I mean, outside of virtuosity, this is my fucking favorite. I mean, this is he's so evil. It's just. It's almost on the level of Joker or Tyler Durden. It's just how do you, how does someone so charming and so kind usually uh, come with such ferocity? It's like if your grandma started shooting up, you know, shooting up the block in a like as a, in a drive-by and started being a drug kingpin in like the meth industry and was dogfighting and was getting like a bunch of tattoos and doing steroids. Like your grandma, it's like Nana, you're what's wrong? I mean, you used to make pies, but this is not your typical Nana and this is not your typical Denzel. And 
I mean, clearly they they awarded him for it. He won the fucking Oscar for a movie that was not the greatest movie. I mean, it was just a fun uh, day in the life of L.A. cops and street gangs, and he just elevated it to something great. And I just love when he's with an actor too that he overmatches because. Ethan Hawke, you can tell, I mean, his character is supposed to be first day and Alonzo's this heavy duty cop and he should be intimidated by him, but you can tell he's just eating his lunch the whole time. He's just, he's got all the best lines. Ethan, I mean, well, Ethan Hawke's on PCP. So, I mean, I guess it's hard to be on top of your game when <laughs> you're unexpectedly on a like, class one narcotic uh, in the middle of the day. And then from there, he does John Q, Antoine Fisher, Out of Time. Didn't see any of those, but I could just be like, good Denzel and John Q, you know, saving his son who needs a liver transplant by holding a hospital hostage. Typical good guy doing whatever he can for his son. Antoine Fisher, I don't remember. Out of Time seems like one of the typical fun Tony Scott action movies. And then Man on Fire, where he just taps into that Alonzo badassness again where it's the he's a bodyguard for Dakota Fanning in Mexico who gets kidnapped and he just goes scorched earth on all of Mexico's drug cart- cartels and he's like an old school CIA operative or they don't really tell you what he is but it's kind of impressive that Denzel's not that physically imposing I mean he's a normal looking built dude maybe like six foot 180 190 pounds but the way he moves is kind of his there's a physicality and kind of when he holds guns you're like oh man this guy is gonna he's gonna murder 12 people before anyone else pulls their gun and that comes across on man on fire and what makes man on fire so great is like for the first hour it's just a slow burn you're just he's just slowly getting he's he's learning to love again as he's uh being the bodyguard for this uh little girl and finally you know i think it's clear he for the last 20 years or for however long he's just been kind of in a rut and just kind of questioning his life. And this girl gives him a reason to live again. And then they take it away from him and you're like, Oh no, don't, don't do that. Denzel's going to be very angry. And <laughs> then he just rips his way like a fucking buzzsaw through endless amounts of Mexican cartels. And it's just a joy to watch. I think every red blooded dude just wants to eat a rare steak and watch this movie and just kind of guffaw at the ridiculousness of it. And Manchurian candidate didn't see, but political thriller Denzel, you know, good guy. I think Ben Marco inside man. He's back with Spike Lee. Great movie. Kind of an old school fifties, sixties uh, detective with a bank robbery happening. And, you know, he's got the fedora on, he's got, a wife in a sweaty little apartment and he's just kind of the cool grizzled cop and it's kind of a it's a relaxed performance from him and in a very stressful bank robbery where Clive Owen is as more clever than you think bank robber and Jodie Foster and Christopher Plummer are these high and powerful bank owners and uh, fixers it's just kind of nice to have the rough and tumble kind of guy and that's Denzel. And then there's American Gangster. He kind of, again, top, once he hit the Alonzo, I'm a good drug, I mean, I'm a evil guy and I can pull it off. He plays Frank Lucas, who's just a heroin dealer in uh, New York in the 70s. 
And he goes toe-to-toe with uh, Russell Crowe again. And they're just fantastic together. They're very yin and yang because Russell Crowe is kind of all over the place, a little bit disheveled. And in this movie, uh, Frank Lucas is kind of a refined gangster, kind of like simmering below the surface of Michael Corleone. Kind of, he takes it all in and makes uh, educated moves for the most part. And that's, I mean, that's a little different. You know, he's kind of, you can, he's a duck. He's kind of just coasting over the water, but his legs underneath are going, you know, a thousand miles a minute or a thousand thousand miles a minute yeah that's right there we go and but he's not a duck he's more of a more of a lion that's kind of paddling like that but ducks look so calm on the river i don't know how lions swim probably pretty aggressively but ducks that's kind of coast so he's like a very intimidating duck like if you had a 20 foot duck that was like ripped and had fangs that's what he would be that's frank lucas Great movie, and uh, and then he has a couple movies like The Taking of Pelham One Two Three and Unstoppable, which are both train movies where he's <laughs> oddly a train conductor in both of them, and he's willing to kind of he likes going toe to toe with John Travolta or Chris Pine, and in danger and disaster movies, he's this calming presence where it's like he might be able to solve this, even though everyone else is just flummoxed, you know. Uh, it's like you have your Denzel pillow at night and you just hug it. And it's, it's like, everything's going to be okay when you're little, but this is in disaster settings. He's just, he's a calming meditative presence that I, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen Denzel in a movie where there's a chaotic situation where I'm like, he can't solve that. Or this is out of his hands. There's always, you're always 95% believing that Denzel's going to get it done. And that's the same with uh, uh safe house and flight and, you know, these are two, again, disaster movies. I mean, well, Safe House is more a CIA movie, but Flight, you know, I didn't see it, but I, I can guess the, uh, that, you know, he was a troubled uh, pilot that made a miraculous uh, landing on a plane. And if anyone can land a plane in a crazy way, it's Denzel. And then I kind of fall, fell off of uh, Denzel movies. Ooh, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. Uh, the Equalizer and The Equalizer too, fucking... Back into this, it's like, I mean, it's almost in this Clint Eastwood retired gunman back for one more time because he sees an injustice and has to write it. And these are movies where there's no other actors and it's just Denzel just being Denzel. And it's just him being ultra violent, ultra cool. And I don't know how he gets to be so intimidating and so kind of just like the master of weapons and the master of his hands. Is he... I don't know if he's trained in like Kung Fu or any fighting or if he's gun training is, you know, or his hand-eye coordination is just fantastic. I know he played division two basketball in college, but whatever it is, he seems like he knows he can, he seems like actually if you met him in real life that he could break your neck in 10 places, but he's so friendly too. And I think that's the appeal of him. He's like any movie that Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Tom Hanks, or uh, Russell Crowe played anybody, he could have done any of those roles. And I think that's the magic of Denzel, that no matter, he doesn't have, you can't pitch him home into one thing. He can play point guard or he can be a center. He can be a warlord or he can be, you know, a lawyer fighting for injustice in the South. It doesn't matter. He's And the, the crazy thing is, you know, actors that can be whoever, like let's say Daniel Day-Lewis, they lose themselves in a role, right? I mean, like, 
the whole or Christian Bale, you're like, oh, I didn't recognize him, and you know, he completely was this guy, or he and he took on the skin of this character and became him. With Denzel, he inhabits a role, but it's always Denzel. You're never not aware that it's Denzel Washington. And I think that's the rarest thing, that he's so charismatic and so fun to watch that no matter the role that he's sinking his teeth into, and no matter how different they are, it's still Denzel first and the character second. But it's not like a clash. It's a meshing of the two. And that's what that's the magic of Denzel and why I love him so dearly. So this has been my ode to my favorite actor of the last 20 years. And if you have another opinion, you know, you're wrong. And that's cool. You know, just walk around being wrong. And, you know, today when you're eating lunch, you can be like, huh, I'm wrong. I'm eating lunch. Or you can go to the gym and be like, well, I'm wrong. And I'm at the gym. So just know that you're wrong. I'm right. And Denzel rules. If you don't think so, just start watching his fucking movies and tell me that your pants aren't charmed clean off. Like you will look down and you will see that you are in your boxer briefs because your, your pants have been blown off by the Denzel performance. That's all I got to say. <laughs>